Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We're going into a funny passage this week, and anybody felt like uh, going through 1 Corinthians, it, it would just be like, just start to figure it out, and then Paul would change the subject, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I thought we were over here, wait, okay, okay, now we're talking about women, now we're talking about sex, what the heck, I don't know, it's just going left, right, and center, and then tongues, and then gifts, and again, he wrote this to a body that was struggling, and he just had one letter, so he put all his bullets in the gun, right, you know, he's like, and this, I heard you had troubles with this, and I heard you had troubles with this, and I'll, he's like, you know, just take what you need. And so he goes in chapter 15, verse 1. Now, in that word now, by the way, whenever you see now, he means I'm changing direction. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you when you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, this good news, you were saved. You need to understand that word saved means saved in your body, saved in your spirit, in your emotions, in your mind, and saved in your spirit into eternal life. Anybody need some salvation, some saving? Are there areas of your lives that need transformation? That is our God. Our God does not sit distant and enthroned, but he is enthroned here. And he is invading with his salvation. By this, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. Or in what I received, he put it another way in uh, Galatians, he said, if you've begun in grace, trusting on God's power, why are you now trying to perfect yourself through your own efforts? That's another way he put it. But anyway, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. What's that? That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Everything that separates us from God, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. These scriptures he's talking about are the, are the, are the Old Testament, right? Are those the prophecies there? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it talks about he died for our sins. That's Isaiah 53, right? He was wounded for our transgressions and that he was raised on the third day. That's Hosea 6, 2 and and in Jonah, and they said that he appeared, and so he was raised on the third day, right? That's all well and good, but it gets better, and he appeared to Cephas, by the way, that's just a name for Peter, and then to the twelve, and after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Man, that must have been a really good prayer meeting. That man, that must have been an amazing service, right? You know, you know, you know, we, we sense his presence, but imagine like, whoa, there he is. Come on. He said, and though some have fallen asleep, hold that. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally, more late born, like everybody else was born at term and me, I was a little delayed. I was a late bloomer. Ah, why, why does he say this? Some have fallen asleep. So you got to understand when Jesus came, do you guys remember what the disciples said to Jesus right before he ascended? He said, when will the kingdom come? They were still expecting thrones. 
and scepters and crowns. Anybody here, you signed up for the kingdom and you thought it was going to be one thing and it turned out to be another? Okay. Some of those things are false expectations and some of those are not yet realized expectations. Does that make sense? The kingdom, he, and Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So they expected, and Paul even said, they expected Jesus to come back in their generation and establish the kingdom in that way. Did it happen in his generation? No. So what happened is some people fell asleep. By the way, they didn't fall asleep. They died. They died. What do you think happened to the believers when these people died? What do you think happened to their faith? Yeah, shut Anybody here, you were believing for something and it didn't happen? And what happens to our hearts when that happens? Huh? Confused? Disappointment? Huh? Yeah? Hard to trust? Pull back? Free? Anybody heart frozen? Yeah? And so Paul's trying to speak into that. Flip over to verse 12. But if it... But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how come some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? So what's going on? So in the ancient world, um, there were two perspectives. One was there's no afterlife, and others there was an afterlife, right? So uh, it's no and afterlife. Yeah. So no afterlife. And even in Judaism, you guys remember, the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. You know what? There's almost no mention of the resur- of the resurrection or the afterlife in the Old Testament. Do you know that? Isn't that crazy? You know, uh, 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 Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 is one of the most clear. But um, and uh, and I love this line by David. He said, you will not allow your holy one to see decay in the grave. What was one of the most amazing things as you read through the Psalms is, is David has this amazing ability to look at reality. Anybody love David about that? David's like, it is bad. We're all going to die. Right? I'm like, David, you my man. Right? I love you. You're honest. I can't handle like, it's okay. And you're like, your clothes are on fire. No, it is not okay. Um, no, he's real. But then he goes, but I know you're good. And that's why, this is the thing. I don't have all the answers, but I know you're good. I I don't know how this all ends, but I know you're good. And so, but the Pharisees believed in the afterlife, and they had a lot of theories about it. Anybody know anybody with theories about the afterlife? So they like to call it the feast, uh, the kingdom, feast of the kingdom. They like to call it the bosom of Abraham. Down in the bosom of, you know. Anyway, they had all these kind of theories. And you know the funny thing? I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. Do you know that every generation in Christendom has had a different theory about the afterlife? <laughs> Guys, let me just say something. There is scripture. Let us not go beyond scripture. We can, uh, I love it. All bad theology begins by speaking when God is silent. Anyway, 
So they had all these theories about, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And you see Jesus speaking to that about the bosom of Abraham and all this kind of stuff. And he's speaking to them and what they understand. But he's saying this thing. He says, he said, these guys are saying there's no resurrection from the dead. Because they had an eschatology. They had an end times that had Jesus coming back before anybody died. And then somebody died. Anybody here had God confront your theology? So anyway, so then they have to come up with a new theology. Speaking while God is silent. Not a good idea. Anybody here made up a new theology while you were waiting out of your disappointment? Yeah? What kind of theology is that? Not good, right? You know, think of golden calves. But anyway, moving on. And so he says, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Oh, yeah. Um, so one of the things I want to say about this is, as always with our ditches, is I would submit that all of us live closer to one of these ditches than the other. What? I believe in the afterlife. Stay with me. If I am living from... So one is this view, the Sadducee view is, this is all that matters. Right? I'm fundamentally practical. I'm focused on today. You know what? Let the future take care of itself. Who are my people? By the way, all of us is in one of these or the other. I'm just going to tell you right here now, we're all sinners. It's all bad. No, I'm just messing. Some of you are like freaked out. No, the reality is we can't get breakthrough until we're honest where we at. Okay? So the other is the afterlife. Now, the funny thing is throughout history, we have had multiple molds. Every generation or two has had a massive eschatological end times movement convinced the end was happening in their generation. And they did a couple crazy things. Now, if you think the world is going to burn up in 12 minutes, what are you going to do? Run? Hide? Stock up? <laughs> Try to outlast Jesus? What else? Make a really good cave in my basement. Make a good cave in my basement? What? Repent? Are you going to get married? No. Are you going to have kids? Well, you know, you might, you might shack up, but you ain't having kids. Right? You know? The amazing thing is, the 70s generation Jesus people movement was fully convinced that Jesus was coming back immediately. You know what they didn't do? There was a massive drop off in the amount of people who got married. And the amount of people who had kids, and when they had kids, they were accidental, <laughs> and it was shocking. <laughs> right? What happened they is... Didn't, they didn't um, go to college. They didn't go to college. Right? A lot of because, them didn't go to college? Because if you don't have a, you know, a view of life, that it's going somewhere, and where you are going to build, right, and where you're going to influence society, that's what happens. What else happened in the 70s? Uh, in the 70s, we saw a massive takeover of universities that then took over our school system, that then took over our government. So abortion um, came on the stage, right? As, as Christians were checking out and packing their bags to go home, right? All of these things just unfolded. And, uh, you know, and so, so the funny thing is, is that there, so, you know, one of the things you've heard the line, being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. 
I remember as a new believer, when I found out how good heaven was, do you know what I literally thought? This is really sad. I was like, and I heard that martyrdom's a good thing. You can do the math, right? You're like, living is hard, dying is easy. How do I figure this out? I didn't want to commit suicide. I just wanted to go to heaven. All right. I'm going to get us to a good place someday. All right. So the thing is, is if you have a view that is completely fixated on the afterlife, you're going to check out of life. But if you have a view like this, you are all, you are going to, um, you're also going to be in a ditch. And what, and this is what Paul is speaking to because he's calling us to the holy middle where we are so heavenly minded, we're amazingly earthly good. We are so understanding where we're going that we are going to bring heaven to earth today. Does that make sense? We're not waiting for heaven. We're bringing heaven now. All right. Okay, let's lean in. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Remember how he said, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. Right? That's the measure. That's the measure. It's so important. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, and we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he didn't raise him from the dead, then the dead are not in fact raised. But if the dead are raised, then Christ has not been raised. I get the knots and knots. Anyway, I'm tied in knots. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have been fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of people most pitied. In other words, if our only hope is in this life, anybody found this life is not all it's cracked up to be all on its own? But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So first fruits... Anybody been, uh, did tomatoes this summer? You plant tomatoes and you wait for that first fruit, don't you? Don't you? You wait for it, you wait for it, you wait for it, and all of a sudden there's one that turns red and you're like, what? It is a promise that there's more to come. It's the first. It tastes like what the others are going to taste like. It's the first fruit. Jesus is demonstrating what is for us. So let's talk about it. What kind, what did Jesus' resurrection look like? His resurrection. His resurrection. So he was resurrected. Was he a spirit? He was a spirit in a body, right? He had a physical body. So, so there's some ideas about heaven as this ethereal on a cloud. Not that. See, he's a physical body. Do you guys know what he did with that physical body? He ate. That's a physical body. He walked, he talked, he engaged, he said, touch me. I, he, he engaged. I love one of the things that John says, he, because there grew up this theology of God couldn't have been a man for reals. Cause this is a messed up place. He had to be some sort of spirit. And John said, no, we touched him. We were there. We saw him with our own eyes. Jesus is real. Jesus is the sign. He is the vision of who we are becoming, who we are being revealed as. And he's showing us also our future, our future. 
He's the first fruits. He's, he said that, um, he says, so that he, for those who belong to him, then the end will come at the end of time, right? Uh, uh, again, who knows the day and the time of the end? Not even Jesus. Anybody who tells you they do, tell them where to shove it. In their Bible. The end will come, and when he hands over the kingdom of God, the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign un- until he has put all his enemies under his feet. He must reign. Wait, 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 wait. That's present tense. How would Jesus reign in this earth? My, one of my favorite lines in Revelation, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Through us, that his power in life would flow through us and demonstrate a fundamentally different kingdom. I'm not talking about a hostile takeover. I feel like as we live in this place, like both of these ditches, right? That there is nothing. It's all about me. It's all for me. And this ditch that I'm just, you know, going to check out of life and go to heaven. It's all about me, right? And I feel like this place of the cross is life, life here on full force where we're not scared of death. Okay? This is the first thing that Jesus, it says, he took away the fear of death. Right? If the fear of death, I have been thinking about it a lot lately. Like if, just think, like entertain this with me for a minute. Like if you really had no fear in your life on Monday morning, what would your life look like? If I had no fear of death, if I had no fear of failure, if I had no fear of rejection, what would it look like? Who would I love on? What kind of creative ideas would flow into my work? Would I go for promotion? Would I go for a different job altogether? Would I reach out to a neighbor that I've been avoiding? Like, what would it look like if there was no fear? Right? He has dealt with the ultimate fear, fear of death. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Right? And I feel like I really do not believe it fully. I don't live like that, that to die is gain. Because if I believed it, I would live without fear. If I truly believed that for me to die is gain, fear would not be an issue. And what would my life be like if anxiety was not a voice? What would it look like if I wasn't scared of getting sick? What would it look like if I wasn't scared of lack? or not having provision. How bold and how courageous and how brave I would be. Like, start wrapping your mind around that. 
And like, if the fear of death is no longer there, like, what could you do? Like, what could stop you? If they couldn't kill you, and that's how the first church ex exploded and expanded, is literally because they could not threaten them with death. Be like, okay, well, you kill me. Well, I go to be with Jesus. <laughs> right? You could not scare me with heaven. Right? Like, do it. Just do it already. Right? So if that can scare me, what can scare me? Like, start thinking just for a minute, right? Like, everything starts exploding. Like, all of this constructs that we've made for ourselves to scare us into a hole in our basement with five years of food or whatever, right, start exploding. If, we, if even death can't get us, right, that is the gospel, I believe, that Paul preached, and it's not really preached here in American church, right, that for us to die is gain. Come on. It's not 401k is our gain, right? It's not like just our whatever. It's to die. Come on. <laughs> Come on. And I mean, it's shocking and it's so upside down. It's like messes with my head, honestly. Like I'm not there. Like I'm saying all of this, but I'm not, I'm further down that path than I was, I have to say. That's why I'm saying all of this in front of you, but. <laughs> If you're going to stone me after this, I guess it will be my gain. <laughs> right? <laughs> but like, you know, it does say that if I, if I attempt to save my life, if I'll protect myself, and I feel like this society more than any other promises us all these fake um, protections. Right? you know, not to be whatever, but six feet, maintain six feet, and you're going to be safe. Um, you know, put away this money, and you will be safe. Um, you will have the insurance from every bad calamity. Well, what if they're just going to kill you? What are you going to do about that? What insurance is going to cover you there? Right? Like, if they're going to torture you and kill you. Like, where is your insurance for torture? Right? I mean, let's be real. I mean, that's what they were facing, and they were okay, and they were thriving and happy. Right? Come on. Come on. And here we are with all of this stuff, all of, and still scared out of our minds. But he has taken care of fear of death. Like, what can hold me back? If death is taken care of, what can they do to me? Nothing. So how brave can we be? Like, insanely brave. Right? What kind of inventions can we create? What can we risk? How like, can we love? How can we love? Yes. How can we lay our lives down for one another? See, that's what happened. Is in the 70s, a whole generation checked out of loving radically in obedience to God. 
and it's happened over and over again. The church has retreated. And, and then many times we've responded by then coming back to attempt to dominate and control. But Jesus always comes in to serve. He always comes from the bottom. He always comes to serve. And so remember, what have we been invited into? Jesus said there's two rules. What are the two rules? Love God and love others as yourself. God, me, others. The thing is, is this over here becomes all about self-actualization. Me, 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 me. A lot of times this becomes about self-annihilation, right? But the reality is God made me for fellowship with God, fellowship to be one with God and to be one with each other. One with God and one with each other. Everything we're made for is through in relationship with each other and relationship with God. That's why you can't threaten me with death because you know what? We're going to keep going in this life and in the next life. Everything that is of value will, everything that is not valuable will burn up, but everything that is valuable will remain and we will be made one. And this oneness, see, the thing is, is I can't actually know who I am without you. Anybody known somebody who turned turtle and went a hermit for a while? And then you were like, I don't even know you anymore. Who in the world are you? The thing is, is I discover a facet of who I am when I am in relationship with you. Anybody here discovered you're a little bit different with every single person? Because there's a facet of who God is that when you encounter, you go, whoa, I like me in front of you. Let's be around each other some more. Right? There's a facet that but I can't know me apart from you, but I can't know me apart from laying myself down for you. I, you know what? I can't know who I am until I gaze upon God, but when I gaze upon God, I want to give myself for God. Right? It's not about self-actualization. It's not this obsession. And that's why you see where we're going. As, as I said, there are many theories of the afterlife, but why don't we stick to scripture? You know, and not, and, and not by duct taping a bunch of scriptures together with a bunch of logic. Okay? I'm just gonna say that right there. The book ends this way. Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Not a cloud. A new heaven and a new earth. Right? Why is this important? How did God, the book begin? Where? In, on earth, in a garden. It's ending on earth, in a garden. See, God never changed His plan. His plan has always been the same. Relationship on earth. And so we're going to continue what we started. That's why this is not a separation from where we are, where we've been, but it is the culmination, is the fulfillment. It is all that we are. So for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. By the way, that's a, that's a little side note for Jews. Jews hated the sea. No, they really did. There was, it's really they, they, bad for everyone who loves the ocean, right? No, they were fully convinced the sea was the source of all chaos and evil. They really, they were like terrified of the sea. That's why Jonah getting on the boat was like, you are, anybody here done something insane because you were afraid? Like you did something even stupider? Anyway, that was that. So anyway, so he's saying there's no chaos, there's no danger, there's no darkness. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So it came from heaven, but it's in on earth. 
What is a city, by the way? What's a city? A place where people, plural, live. It's not a city if you're by yourself. So the whole point of our the end time is that we live in community together. Anybody here, you have somebody in your life and they're not in your life anymore? And you grieve that? Some of you, it might be even people you're glad you're not in a relationship anymore, but you still grieve them, right? Maybe it was a relationship that ended badly. Do you know why you grieve them? Because we're made to be one. And we long for the oneness that's missing. In heaven, we will get to on, we say in heaven, in the afterlife, the earth, heaven on earth, that place, we will get to explore our oneness together in God for all time. I saw the holy city, okay, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, and look, a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. No God, no one another. You don't have to, all one-stop shopping. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, For I am making all things new. But do you remember what Jesus is? He's the what? The first fruits of the new creation. See, the new has already begun. See, that word new he uses is a different, there's two types of words for new in the New Testament. There's neos, that just means new. Like, I got me a brand new car. And then there's kainos. It would be like, if I say, I have a new form of transportation, and I used to have a bicycle, and now I have a rocket ship. That would be kainos. Like, it's yes, they are transportation, but they're not the same. Kainos, this is the same word he uses in 2 Corinthians 5.17 when he said, Behold, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. A totally different, not like the old model, the life that where you were this empty, darkened bulb, and now you are a light bulb. You are fire on fire. You are full of light. You have, he is making everything new. Well, guess when that everything new starts? Now. How does he do that? Through you and me. We get to begin to bring heaven to earth into every sphere of life now. Why? Because that's where it's going. It's both and. Don't wait for then. Start now. Get in on the ground floor. He was seated on the third. He said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. I'm going to finish, and I need you guys, buckle in, buckle cup, buttercup, okay? Buckle up. I'm going to finish, but I've got to take us somewhere, and I need you guys to stay with me to the end, okay? If you're scared, just grab somebody, okay? All right. I didn't, I'm just, we'll get there. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Sound like somebody we know? Remember Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman? See, it started there. It is fulfilled there. We are in an ever-increasing kingdom. How do I know that? Let me just say this really practically. Do you want to know something? If you've been told the world is getting worse, you don't know statistics. I'm just going to tell you that. 
you fundamentally don't know statistics. Go look up the rate of poverty for the last 2,000 years. You will see plummeting poverty as the gospel has invaded the earth, especially over the last 200 years. You, you look at infant mortality, plummeting. You look at, at death of women in childbirth, plummeting. You look at uh, human rights, women's rights. You look at all these things. They are rapidly increasing. It's not getting worse. Quit abdicating the world to the devil. This has happened as the gospel has gone throughout the earth. I, I've said this before. They have done steep statistical studies. You know the difference in, in sub-Saharan Africa. The countries, there are two different types of countries. There are those who have received the gospel and those who haven't. And they are fundamentally diametrically opposed in every, every statistic possible. We are meant to be a blessing to the nations. But we must not abdicate because the kingdom begins now. Not, ugh, not through domination control, but through laying down our lives. Through offering that spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit this, receive it. And I will be their God and they will be my children. Now here's the part I want you to hold on. Hold on. Stay with me to the end, okay? But. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning fire. And so this is the second death. Okay, stay with me, okay? Stay with me. Who here has been presented with a God who is narcissistic, petty, capricious, and demands worship? No. Can, can blink twice. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Like that many times we have in a and we have done this thing where we're like, you either worship me or I throw you in the lake of fire. Does that does that sound like God is what? Love. Does that sound like love? Stay with me to the end. That's why I said buckle up, buttercup. Okay, stay with me. But love allows a choice. Is it love if I hold you hostage in paradise? There, there's some really creepy uh, movies on Lifetime like that. Just saying. No, it's not. It's not. God gives us a choice. We can choose. And if you look at this, what is it? It is the unbelieving, those who refuse to trust that God is for them, that God is somehow holding out on them. Listen, if he who did not hold withhold his own son... How much more will he, will he withhold anything from us? No, God is not. He is leading the way. He is giving himself fully and utterly to, and the idea is, the lie of the enemy is, if I enter into this relation with God and others, I disappear. I quit. I, I need to be me. I need to separate myself from other people. That's what Eve said. I'll go grab this by myself. No, the lie is that I can exist by myself. And God's like, you can't. In fact, if, and so what he say, he say, you know, all these things that he talked about are people trying to self-actualize on their own. Do you know what magic and sorcery is? It is the attempt with, uh, apart from relationship through mechanistic means to gain power. And God's like, apart from relationship, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so he's saying, but he's saying, if you want, but it says at the end of time that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. If I want to be God and I'm convinced you're my enemy, even though you're good, when God shows up, that is the worst thing possible. Because I'm convinced you're my enemy. 
Is God the enemy of anybody? No, it says we're just enemies in our own mind. But if I'm convinced you're enemy. Okay, who here? You sinned really badly against somebody. Three of us? Four of us? Okay. Okay. Now, what was it like being around that person? Awkward is putting it nicely. It was hell on wheels. Hell on wheels. Yes. It just rolled right out. Right? The, do you anybody felt the flame on your skin? Like you get around them and you just start getting, I saw the way they were looking at me. The person's like completely oblivious. And you're like, oh my gosh, they're judging me. They hate me. No. You remember the guy who said, I knew you were a hard master. No. I'm not those things. But in that place, the fire of God, I don't know what the, and listen, there's people and they've mapped out the flame of fire. That is, listen, do you know, that's not biblical, by the way. Listen, listen, people got maps of heaven. No, listen, our God is what? A consuming fire. Anybody in worship experience that? Like you draw near and it's like, and everything that is not you begins to catch fire. See, you are a diamond of inestimable worth. You are pure and righteous, made in God's image. And yet, anybody got some dung thrown on you or you placed on yourself? When we come into his presence, all that stuff starts to catch fire. The diamond doesn't, but that stuff does. Anybody known that moment when you are convicted of sin in the presence of God? Do you know what I'm talking about? And you must make a choice. What's the choice you must make? Surrender or run, right? Turn turtle, right? In that moment, but when, who here has found the joy of repentance? Recognizing this isn't me. It was never me. I give it to you, Lord. And it burns up and you're like, ah, I'm alive. I'm full of joy. I'm full of hope. The flame of fire of his love burns up everything that's not us. And so, but the thing is, is God will not love you against your will. (laughs) Oh, what I want to say is, what I want to say again is, we are called to live from heaven to earth. We are called to live a life that brings all that God, everything that is meaningful of value, we bring into heaven. And we are bringing to our Lord a kingdom. We are establishing a kingdom and a kingdom that has no end. Father, we are so pathetically unable to declare your goodness. Lord, I ask, take these meager words and Lord, allow every part that is not of you to burn up, but allow every word that's from you to take root in our hearts, that we would have hope, that we would quit living just for today, but we would truly live from today to forever. We would live for a future and a hope that we would live free from the fear of death, free from the fear of loss, because we would be confident that you, our lives are hidden with you. Oh God, we love you, Lord. Oh, we love you. If you can have the worship team come up. Jesus. As David said in the Psalms, Psalm 131, he said this amazing, incredible thing that he said. It was so good. He said, 
Will you stand? He said, my heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child in my content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. Lord, we put our hope in you. We put our hope in you. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. 